0: Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Well, we had a Wazdy report that came out. How would the markets react? Yeah, if you looked at that, there was some limit up numbers that happened within the trade. And we're going to talk about all of that today with Brian Split. Brian is with agmarket.net. And I think, Brian, to start out, I mean, once this report came out, we started hitting higher numbers. And it didn't take long for, for the corn to hit their limits.
1: No and um you know it's interesting because uh, the actual carryout number that the USDA gave us if you just saw that and compared it to the pre-report estimates uh, the average guess being about 1.6 billion bushels of corn carryout um, the the number the USDA gave us today at a 1.55 while less than the average estimate was not exceedingly bullish um but I I think it's when you look at how the USDA got to those numbers and and that's what the bullishness is from so they had to cut exports by a hundred million bushels they had to cut ethanol by a hundred million bushels uh... and they had to cut the feed residual number by fifty million bushels so they took out two hundred and fifty million bushels of demand and i think the way the trade is seeing it is that has not been rationed yet we haven't lost that demand yet prices need to go higher in order to ration that demand and until they do maybe the real stories were closer to a 1.3 carryout. And the yield did come down a lot more than what uh, what was expected and what statistically we would have expected based on previous years. So uh, that was definitely bullish there. On soybeans, I think it's a very similar story. I would point directly to the imports. They raised imports by 20 million bushels. Those beans are not in the country yet, and they won't be for months. So the the realistic estimate right now is probably closer to 120 million bushels. And that's if you believe that only needed to go up five and exports only needed to go up 30. I think there's market participants that believe exports should have gone up more than 30. And we'll see how that plays out over the, over the future here. But I, I believe the, the trade believes that carryout is, is already sub 140 based on how the USDA got to the numbers they gave us today.
0: Did it surprise you that we saw the USDA lower the feed and residual use numbers?
1: Uh, it does, uh, but, you know, it's hard to say how uh, without reading through the whole report yet to see how they justify everything. Uh, So we'll we'll find out what the commentary is within the report. Uh, But uh, you know right now uh, based on the animal units out there that would not have been the expectation Uh, but I I guess again I think that the USDA is reluctant to uh, to put carry out at a level that would put our stocks to use below 10%. And uh, even though that might be really where we are, um, I think they're, they're reluctant to show us that. And they may try to bide some time in between now and the South American harvest to see if, if that crop actually materializes closer to a trend trendline crop. And if it does, then that might buy us a little bit of time uh, to, to wait for some of those adjustments down the road.
0: Well, looking at that global production number, I know that there's been a lot of weather issues, and you and I have talked about that before, that the weather in South America can change just like that, and they can turn around and pull out a good crop. So do we take that information today with a grain of salt?
1: Well, as far as the weather goes, I think right now, um, you know, we've been focused mainly on the highest risk area currently based on the the forecast would be Argentina. Um, As of this morning, the the weather uh, uh, group that I follow they raise the risk in Argentina up slightly. Um, they have confidence that uh, the uh, beneficial rains will, will occur this week. Uh, but as we get into the week two, it's looking like a drier and hotter pattern does indeed return, uh, which is why they're, they're increasing their risk. Now, the other question, too, is out of the rain that they have confidence that's going to come, how much of it actually materializes and in a la Nina you can have a forecast for the rain but maybe the totals will be less than expected uh, so that's something that we'll be watching here moving forward but um, the, the the weather event is is not done yet um, and you're probably in, in areas of Brazil where they continue to get rain if that continues in that fashion now you're going to have the opposite conversation where now it's too wet to get the crop out of the field and now that's a, a, you know several millions of bushels of soybeans that can't be uh, delivered to the market, and in which case, if there's demand that needs to happen in that meantime, that may come back to the U.S. So, it's still a fluid situation over the next few months.
0: Did you see any surprises in the soybean numbers?
1: Uh, No, I I personally, and this is my thought, I thought the USDA might raise yield slightly uh, just because I, I thought that that might be the only... Way that they could keep this under control if they were going to lower yield, um, they lowered yield. Or I, I should say, if they were going to raise demand, uh, they did not raise demand as much as they as I thought they would, um, and they increased the imports, which I thought would come at some point. But I figured that they would wait until spring, until after the the South American crop was online, to start padding the import numbers. So. I guess, you know, if there was a minor surprise, maybe that they, they uh, uh, went ahead and adjusted imports already. Uh, but again, uh, we're not going to see any, any Brazilian soybeans at the U.S. shores for a while.
0: How's the overnight trade going to be for corn and beans? Could it be another interesting ride?
1: Well, so we finished limit up today, which means that um, the market was being bid at the daily limit of 25 cents. Synthetically, uh, the market was trading higher than that, around four and a quarter, or around five and a quarter. So, based on that, I don't think it would be a surprise to see this market gap higher tonight, and open, uh, you know, somewhere above 520. I think that's going to be significant because if you look at a continuous chart, uh, we're approaching highs that were made in 2014, and these are yearly highs. They were made in May. We had a peak at 519. And then a few days later, we had a peak at 5.19 and a half. And that was a major double top that year, which eventually led to a a break straight down to the 3.20 level. So we broke about two bucks in that that particular time frame. So now, if we open above 5.19 and a half tonight, we're going to gap over that yearly high. There's really not much to stop us if you get through that to going to 5.50. Uh, And then if you get through 5.50, now we're in the middle of a gap that was left from 2013, when the July 2013 contract left the board and the September contract became front month, and that gap would fill at 684. So we're going to start talking about some potentially really lofty levels. Um, I think there's some retracement levels in between those.
0: All right. Well, stick around. When we come back. We're going to talk about the soybeans as we head into the overnight trade with those numbers. Welcome back to the final final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue to talk with Brian Splitties with AgMarket.net. So when we went to break, we were talking about the corn side of the market trade and and what was happening, what would happen possibly into the overnight. So what about the soybeans, Brian? What are we going to see kind of the stage being set?
1: Well, for soybeans, uh, we had broken above the $13 level, and we did that to finish the year. And so that really puts us back in a trading range that we were in previously, and we've been in this trading range before. Um, the time that we spent the most amount of time uh, in this range was back in in about late two thousand ten to late two thousand and eleven and in that period of time uh, we we were just whizzing back and forth the range was between fourteen to fourteen fifty, and then the low end of the trading range was really about the uh 1320 to 1270 level so it looks to me like based on the numbers that we had that we're probably gonna see this market try to test that 1450 to 55 zone uh, if it can get through that we're probably gonna punch right up to about 1535 um, but we're starting to talk some really rarefied air up here so um, really it's just previous highs that have been made the previous peak so you've got that 1535 if it got through that, there's another major peak at 1570. Then you've got 1630, and then you've got 1660, and then you've got those highs at uh, at nearly eighteen dollars in in um, 2012. So um, the market in the short term, I, I think, is going to go take a look at that 1450 area. I think if we start to see South American weather improve, maybe we could trade between 13 and 1450 for a while, but. Uh, any problems this summer in our own domestic market, in, in this market, could could potentially retest those 2012 highs. Uh, our, our stocks are similarly tight to 2011 uh, two, and 2013 time frames.
0: So what about the wheat? We didn't really touch much on that. Were there any surprises?
1: Well, so for wheat, actually, the, the story um, this morning started before the report even came out. And um, it's back to russia so your your livestock federation in russia is pressuring the government to uh take a look at at the ex- wheat exports again because they're concerned about their internal wheat prices as as it relates to feeding the livestock so um that's going to be something that uh, uh that the market continues to watch uh as we as we take away potentially another major competing exporter that would Force business and in our direction. I think wheat's going to be especially sensitive to the dollar index. Uh, the dollar index had a, a little short covering rally uh, over the last few days. Uh, we're, we're now back down somewhat sharply on the day. Uh, I believe that the dollar index is eventually going to test the lower 88s, back to the lows that we had in, in 2018. And and in my opinion, if if we take out these 2018 lows. Um, that would ultimately lead the dollar to retest the 84 to 85 area, but possibly as low as, as the 75 zone. Uh, and if we see, I, I, in my opinion, if we get through these 2018 lows in the dollar, then uh, that might put us in, in a hyperinflationary environment where um, the market just wants to buy anything that is a physical item that could be considered a, you know, a, any any commodity is going to be sexy, if that's the case, whether it's energies, grains, um I think livestock will participate in that as well.
0: You know, we we focus so much when it comes to this WASDI report about the the grain side of the perspective. Livestock side just kind of takes a back burner when it comes to beef and pork production numbers and exports.
1: It does. um, You know, and and so if you had said, hey, corn's going to be limited up today, uh, what do you think feeder cattle will do? And your obvious answer would be, well, feeder cattle will probably be sharply lower uh, they were uh, down nearly three dollars and so when you look at the uh, march contract we 're going to be pretty darn close to some support that was made uh, back in November these November lows in that one thirty two to one thirty two fifty area uh, i I do think that if if corn continues to push this feeder cattle market's likely to t- trade below that thirty two uh, does it go all the way back down and retest those october lows around twenty four twenty five I'm not going to say it's out of the question. I I think you're going to see demand for for feeder cattle, uh, you know, really uh, impacted by by the rally in corn. Um, When you look at the fat cattle market, I think there's a really a a tale of two different markets right now. And we've been talking about cattle over the last several months, Susan. And and so you look at this uh, February contract. I feel like every time we talk to it, all we're doing is reiterating that we're in a sideways trading range. Uh, Today is January 12th. Settlement on February live cattle was one twelve forty seven. If you go all the way back to July, uh, the settlement on July thirteenth there was no July thir th- July twelfth as far as trade, so that was a Monday the thirteenth. The settlement was one eleven eighty two. So we're within a dollar of where this market was six months ago. Um, so. I think this February contract, unless something happens when the options expire and as we go into delivery, the market seems to be pretty stuck in this area. But there's a different story going on. As you get past the April, you go out to the June, the August, October, December, all of those contracts were actually up a dollar today. And so I think there's a a different mindset as you get further out and a much more potentially bullish story on, on cattle moving forward.
0: What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brian?
1: Uh, so you can reach me directly at 815-665-0463. Uh, you can reach the uh, agmarket.net team at 844 4 market so 844 uh, 424 Check us out online at www.market.net. And my Twitter handle is at S-P-L-I-T-T.
0: Thanks so much. That's a Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Grove Radio Network.